Yeah. It can event. Yeah. I'm in the search for peace at least and a better spot to settle. My brother said the Americans have Hey everybody, welcome to the show Community Spread. I'm your host Kevin Lundell. On the pod today, we have my sister, Julie Akins. And I'm really excited to have her on because she has an interesting experience and story to share with us. But when Julie and I first started having a conversation about doing this podcast episode, we were a little bit hesitant. We were hesitant because we've had so many amazing podcast guests on to explore racial inequities and problems that face us today. Such amazing guests like Michael, Michael, Jazzy, Joan, Miss Betty, Rachel, that to have a couple of white people on to talk about race seemed a little bit presumptuous. However, we decided it also kind of explores a little bit of reality. Uh, What do you do if you are a teacher, an 11th grade teacher in St. George, Utah, who cares deeply about racial equity? What does she do in that situation? And what Julie did was turn to a book. And she turned to the book called The Hate You Give. And she decided after a summer of historical reckoning around, uh, with this country around the topics of race, that she was going to teach this book to her class. And she had some really amazing experiences doing it that really, I think, opened these kids' eyes to some of the injustices that face people of color in our country in ways that they can't get when they are in their regular community, surrounded by white folks. Books have a tendency to do that. It has a tendency to help us step outside of our own lived experiences the same way with which we try to do in this podcast by interviewing people. So I hope you go along for the ride with us a little bit on this one. excuse any mistakes or ignorances that may come through and show through in this conversation, but know uh, that Julie and I care deeply about these issues that we are trying and doing our very best to show that maybe, just maybe, uh, there are ways to help explore these issues, even if you live in a predominantly white community like St. George, Utah, or, you know, Ogden, Utah, for that matter. And now brings us to the point in the podcast where I tell you a little bit about what I'm thinking about or what I'm learning about. And at this moment, I am thinking a lot about all of the people who I have interviewed over the last six months whose lives have been affected by the first week of the Biden presidency. I think about Miss Betty and Rachel and Joan and Jazzy and Michael and Michael, who we had on in the very earliest days before this thing even was a podcast, as Biden signed an executive order that ordered his government to conduct equity assessments of its agencies and reallocate resources to, quote, advance equity for all, including people of color and others who have been historically underserved, marginalized, and adversely affected by persistent poverty and inequity. I feel like that statement really drives home at a lot of what we have been talking about on this podcast. I also think about Denise and Alfredo as President Biden signed an executive order reaffirming DACA that gave many protections back to DACA recipients, like the ability to 
use FHA programs to buy a home, which we talked about with Denise. I think about them as uh, Trump signed an executive order that revoked a Trump-era policy that cracked down on communities shielding undocumented immigrants from deportation. And he vowed to, quote, address the humanitarian challenges at the southern border. I think about those in the LGBTQ community that we've had on the podcast. I think about EJ and Danielle, who are the parents of Khalil. I think about Brock, Rachel, Alfredo, and Jake. As Biden signed an executive order that will extend federal non-discrimination protections to members of the LGBTQ community, building off of the landmark Supreme Court decision last year to expand protections against discrimination based on sex in federal agencies to include sexual orientation, gender identity, and gender expression. I think about Khalil a lot when I think about the executive order that President Biden signed reversing the transgender military ban. And although that may or may not affect Khalil's life directly in maybe he will choose or choose not to serve in the military, but it tells him that he is no different than his peers and can and will be able to serve in the military if he chose to do so. I think about those whose lives have been affected by COVID-19 in so many dramatic ways. All of our lives have been affected by it. But particularly Abby and Jake, who nearly lost their father, who spent 19 days on a ventilator, and Jake, who spent over a week in the hospital. I think about Paul Sharp and the many people he has seen pass away as they have suffered from a raging pandemic that had no control or no direction from the federal government to get it under control. Biden signed a flurry of executive orders to help with the handling of this crisis. I think about other people that we haven't had on the podcast yet, and maybe we can. I think about the proclamation that Biden signed ending the ban on U.S. entry from majority Muslim countries. And I think about the folks who can now see their loved ones and have them come and visit them in this country, or they can go back to that country and what that might mean to them. Maybe we can find one of those people and have them on the podcast. I would love that. So if you know anyone that fits that description, let me know. But real lives are being affected because elections matter. And if you care about those who are on this podcast, remember that. Remember that in the midterms, when people tend to not show up to vote, that your vote matters. It matters to the people who we've had on this podcast, and to all of the people that they represent. So get out there, continue to do the work, and be inspired in this historic moment. With that, our conversation with Julie Akins. Look how far we don't came, we made it to the slip to surprise. Though the prophecy says we all been to a brass. Spread the word, let it be known the heaven set to survive. Right here, live in the flesh. Well, hey. This is a really exciting episode right now because I have my sister on the pod, Julie Akins. How are you, Julie? Great. Thank you. Are you a little nervous? You look a little, just a little nervous. I'm going to let the listener know that I think there's like a little bit. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm definitely nervous. I mean, I uh, am speaking on a topic that I feel very passionate about, but at the same time, 
I am not like an expert. I'm just someone who's passionate about the idea. So I probably am going to sound naive at times. <laughs> well, that's kind of what this podcast is about, right? It's just like about us kind of learning and sharing experiences. And so that's what we're going to do here today. We're a couple of white people that are going to delve into racial issues. <laughs> exactly. exactly. We're going to make mistakes and we're going to, hopefully somebody calls us out and, uh, but, but it will be great. <laughs> Sounds great. So, so, you know, one of the things that happened uh, with the pandemic and our family is that we were able to, you know, Zoom became like a thing. And uh, suddenly we decided that we were going to start doing these Zoom calls with the family. And so we were having these like weekly calls and chats with the family getting on. And we were going through this time, through the summer of this, you know, really this racial unrest and this historic reckoning that the country was coming to after the death of George Floyd. And I kind of got to, we kind of got to go through this together and, and share our thoughts and feelings on it together. And then I got to watch you as you decided to move in, when we moved into the fall, you decided to teach uh, in your English high school class, you're a teacher, and you decided to teach the book, The Hate You Give. And I wanted this to give us a, a quick synopsis of that, but tell us a little bit about how you were feeling during that summer and, and what your, your thoughts and feelings were as, as we were kind of going through that together and what you were feeling during that time. Well, actually, my principal is very passionate about this topic. And he, before the pandemic happened, encouraged me to teach this book. And so I had read it last summer, the summer, the previous summer, and had already purchased all the books to read when the pandemic happened. And then it didn't feel right. There wasn't enough time to cover it in the way we cover. I needed it to cover to be covered. And so I didn't do it that year. That's the last of that first part where we all were quarantined at home. And then as the summer came and the unrest came and the issue became even bigger, I got really excited about teaching the book. But there were parents and maybe even some admin at our school who felt more nervous about teaching the book and felt like the time might not be right to address it at school because there was it's controversial at our school um there are people who don't agree with a lot of things in the book and because the emotions were so high people felt like well maybe this isn't the right time for you to teach the book and I so real quick, let's go. Yeah, let's go let's go dive right into the synopsis of the book. Um, okay. and we'll go back to 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 sort of like your town in in St. George, Utah, and sort of the okay. dynamics in that though. So give us give us the synopsis of the book, The Hate You Give. Okay, I'm going to be really short. This Perfect. book has so many amazing layers. As I've reviewed and prepared for the pod, I just loved it. I wanted to read the whole thing again. Uh, but the main character, her name is Star Carter, and she's 16. And the book starts out, um, she's at a party. And one of the interesting things about her is she lives in a Black neighborhood and goes to a school in another neighborhood that's mostly white. And 
Her parents send her to this school after she, when she's young, one of her dear friends is murdered in a gang incident. And they decide this is just not a safe place for her to go to school and be raised. So she goes to a white school, but uh, this party is in her black neighborhood and she meets up with one of her old and dear friends. Khalil is his name. And they're talking and having fun. And then there's some gunshots at the party. And so they leave the party and they get in Khalil's car and they're just driving home talking. And they end up talking about, let's hope I say his name right, Tupac. Is that right? <laughs> Kevin's the one who corrected me before. <laughs> this is how, how white Julie is. Um, yes. the, the first time we were talking about this on Zoom, she said, and, and, and Tupac, the song Tupac when he's talking about thug life. <laughs> I really don't know a lot about rap, um, but I've learned some more about so yes, it. Yes, it's, it's, it's Tupac, I believe. <laughs> so Tupac, they're talking about Tupac's song and about what thug life means, um, which is, is the theme of the whole book. And we might can get into that later. But they get pulled over by a cop and um, immediately through, through Star's mind goes the things that her dad has told her about what to do when you get pulled over by a cop, how to act, how to put your hands up, hold still, say yes, sir, do everything that the cop asks. And her friend Khalil is not following any of these rules and it's making her really nervous. He's kind of talking back to the cop and being like, why did you pull me over? and not really doing what the cop says to do. And it makes the cop angry. And one of the things her dad also said to do was to look at the cop and like, remember what they look like. So she looks at him and she memorizes his number, which is um, 115. And that's what this cop is called by throughout the book is 115. And she, um, Khalil ends up, the cop ends up asking him to get out of the car. And he gets out of the car and the car goes, the cop goes back to his own car. And while he's back there, Khalil leans in to talk to Star and to see if she's okay. And the cop ends up getting really nervous and shooting him and he dies. And then thus begins this very complex story of what Star is going to do. Is she going to speak up? Is she going to talk about Khalil. Um, there's a lot of reasons why that ends up being kind of dangerous. And um, in the end, she, her family kind of encourages her and supports her through this whole thing. And, and um, in the end, she does end up speaking out for him. But the whole story is, is her kind of working through that whole process of deciding whether to speak and then actually speaking out. And so, and, and in, in the book also, as you go along, it's the story about how, like what, what's gonna happen to this cop and it falls along with what happens to cops and shootings, which is they get off. Um, yes. Shootings yes. of, uh, particularly shootings of people, persons of color. And so, you know, let's go back to, to your community, right? Your community in, in the summer of 2020, we have the death of George Floyd 
and what what is your community like there like during during this time is they're seeing seeing the same things we're seeing on the news and um the protests and what where you know at st george utah it is a conservative town what is the feeling around at that time well that's a really good question i don't know if i can speak for the whole community um because uh, my friends are going to protests uh supporting students even and going to protests speaking out reading books we're we're all trying to understand more through the reading of books, both young adult and adult books. But I wouldn't say that's the general community and what's happening necessarily. Um, we, and there's many things about this book that, that may make it challenging for people in my community. One is, and this is where I think if it's all right, we can talk about my amazing principal. Um, he went, it was a young, young person. He got a job in Nashville, Tennessee at a school where there were 99 different languages spoken. Whoa. And it was, it, I know it's crazy. Very, very, very diverse school. And that came with a lot of problems. And he dealt you said this was when he with, was when he was student teaching your principal uh, after or, oh just in his after, early in his career early early in his career right after he he graduated and he was like in charge of discipline and um, so he came to my class I asked him to come speak to my class about about the culture and what it was like at his school because it's very very different at my school. There are no physical fights, like ever. I've worked there for three years now. There has never been a punch thrown at the school. And at the school that he lit, and that's very, I know it's very unusual, but it's true. There's just not physical fighting. And at the school you that- teach, You teach at a charter school that is involved in the arts and, and mm -hmm. probably, you know, attracts, I mean, there's already a really white, neighborhood and but it also yeah. kind of attracts like a certain crowd that you know may not be come to blows very quickly <laughs> there, there may be more um you know with their words if they're gonna fight if they're gonna uh, if they're gonna have any sort of battles it's gonna be with their words and not not with their fists so he comes to class and i needed him also in our, in our community, swearing is not appropriate, not acceptable. Like if you swear in class, you will definitely go to the principal's office. This that. is a high school where they don't swear. No, well, I, would say, <laughs> I, I think the teens swear all the time, but not definitely not like in class in front of teachers. That's not how it works. You'll get called out if you swear in front of teachers. Well, the book starts out immediately with lots of swearing. And so- F-bombs too. <laughs> yeah, and yes, F-bombs. So, so, and I mean, the, the title of the book, though it doesn't say that part, it, it has an F-bomb in the title. So, um, so he came and he talked about, and he told these great stories to the kids. He talked about breaking up fights. They, he would break up about five fights a day. He was in charge of discipline. It was one of the things he was in charge of there. 
and um, how his principle, his kind, the, the man who was over him, taught him that in order to deal with these kids, you actually had to swear. It was part of their language. You don't have to kind of like get in their face and be really, really loud and almost violent in order for them to listen to him or respect him at all. And it was great for the students to hear his stories and to understand that the environment that we're gonna read about in this book is very, very different from the environment at our school. And so we can't hold, like expect that this swearing, that, that some of the things that are happening in this book, they're gonna be different from our own life and we need to not judge, but through our own lenses, but rather try to step in the lenses of someone else's life and, and understand it with, with compassion. And so it was such a great way to have our principal come in and, and start the teaching of this book. None of the students, I thought for sure, within the first week, I'd have parent calls or at least students coming up and talking to me about it. And none of them did. Um, I heard some of them mm, talking to each other sometimes, like the language kind of bothers me, but never directly to me or no parent calls. So Interesting. I was really proud of them for taking on a book that's different from them and really honestly offensive to many of them, but, but pushing through that to get to the heart of what was there. So, you know, if, if the listen, listeners are, are listening to this conversation, they're like, yeah, I mean, of course, Kev's sister uh, wants to get in there and mix it up and put this book out there um, <laughs> because, you know, Kev likes to mix shit up and cause problems and, you know, <laughs> Um, and she, Julie's in this conservative town and people don't want her to do it. That's probably why she did it even more. <laughs> <laughs> but you have to know my sister, Julie. So uh, if she like, I think she posted something controversial on Facebook maybe once or twice. And then she had an anxiety attack for two weeks because she was <laughs> yeah. worried what people thought about it. <laughs> that sound about uh, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I. <laughs> I haven't posted anything controversial since. <laughs> so how are you feeling? Like, this is what I really wanted to do. And I was like, how were you feeling knowing that about you? And like, I, I like, how are you feeling as you are approaching this book? And you know that there are people that were, were after everything that happened that summer, there's this really racially charged environment. How, particularly around cops and shooting, like this book was, was like retelling the summer story how were you feeling in that moment of, as you started to approach it, even though you did know you had your principal, the principal had your back on this? Well, I mean, I really think it's my, my mission as an English teacher to show students things that they don't know through reading and to teach them that you can learn about the world through reading. And it's not my job to reinforce what they already know. It's my job to get them outside of their own box. It's one of my missions. And so I was super excited about it. Now that said, there are some things about this book that I felt really safe about. Um, one of the girls, the very first day when the principal was there, as far as if I'm remembering correctly, 
she raised her hand and, and um, she is Latina and she defines herself as that. And she said, Mrs. Akins, I just want to know why would an old white lady like you choose to study this book out of all the books we could study? <laughs> and I thought it was a really great question. I was like excited about this question. And I said, well, um, I learned a lot from the book about things I didn't know that I want to know more about. And um, one of the ways I learned that is Star has a white boyfriend and his name is Chris. And Chris asks naive questions. And, and I like could really relate to Chris. And Star sometimes gets mad at those questions and, and then eventually kind of answers them too. And so some of my naive questions were answered through Chris. And then also Star has the most amazing family. It's a complex family. Um, she, her dad was served jail time and was in a gang. And um, then, and her mom is also helping to raise a, a child that her father had through an affair. It's a complex family, but they have so much love. And the mom and dad are always flirting and they're just cute and funny. They're good to the kids. And I felt like that my students could really buy into that family. There definitely is an ideal of family in Southern Utah. And so I wanted them to both see the differences and learn something new, but also be able to relate. And, and I, I felt like that, that those pieces were there that they could relate to and learn from. And isn't that, I mean, it, it fits right into what we're trying to do with the podcast, right? Like we're trying to get people outside of their own learned experience by hearing from other people's experiences. But that is also what reading can do for us and what books can do for us. And certainly the Hey You Give does that. It, it gets you outside of your experience and your environment and makes you step right into, right into this whole other world. Um, but also, like you said, I really like how you put that because it's a world that you can relate to. Um, so tell me what were some of the moments as you're working through this book, you're reading some of this book in class, what were some of those moments, uh, of, what were the discussions like in the classroom as you started into this book? The discussions were immediately really amazing. So fun. I, every day just went home on a high because the students dove right into it. First of all, with the cop shooting, um, you could sort of maybe, I mean, we had an immediate discussion right away. Can, was, can you see why the cop shot Khalil? And I mean, you think the answer to that is immediately no. It, you, you can see that he's innocent. But, um, you know, some of the kids were like, well, Khalil didn't do what the cop said. And then that made some other kids really angry. You know, well, but he was innocent. He shouldn't be shot just because he got out of the car or leaned into the car. And immediately and, there's this argument going on in class. And, and I thought the author had actually did a a good job of setting up this scenario where <clears throat> obviously, I mean, Khalil was shot in the back. Um, you know, he, he was a 16 year old kid shot in the back. Um, but the author 
gave just enough nuggets that you get in these situations that, tr- that, that get cops off, right? Um, where, you know, he, 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 was, he, was a tiny, he was a tiny bit combative with the cop. You know, he, he gets out of the car and then he goes back into the car and there's a hairbrush in the car that the cop mistakes as a gun, quote unquote, you know? Um, so the author did do just enough of that to set the stage to make it like is really that happens. We hear every time we hear one of these stories and there's always this, this side that's like, well, like, you know, that's what could have happened. So he, it's the author, I thought, set that up and that built in your class is what it sounds like. Exactly. That, that very, you know, that's early in the book and that day there was heated conversation to the, to the effect that a student stood up and left in tears. I mean, I was already like, whoa, this is going to be fun. <laughs> and, but I found that student later and I said, hey, if, if you don't want to read this book, it's okay. You know, well, I'll get you another book. Like how do you, and she, the student was like, no way. I am, I want to read this book more than anything. And I'm like, okay, okay. We're going to be okay here. Even, even students who are end up crying are still want to dive into it together. And was there a clear like split, like on the, like right off the bat with the, with the shooting of the, of, with the shooting, was there a clear split in the class of like the ones who like, I mean, you could probably tell, you could probably feed into like what the politics at home are like blue lives matter crowd and maybe a few black lives matter folks. Like, like, could you see that pretty clearly? Yes. Pretty quickly. Yes. And especially I had them do a lot of writing about the book And it's a little hard as a teacher to read things and and be like, wow, this student is pretty racist. And with high school students though, I'm always saying this, they haven't really had a lot of time to figure out their own politics or their own thoughts. And so, it's my job not to judge them. And that's, that's really hard. Sometimes I'm like, Whoa, gosh, a lot of times I'm writing, I want to see a citation with this, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like, give me another article. Like, don't just, don't just spout this stuff without, without backing it up. Um, But also that uh, this is their chance to, if I don't give them room to give their opinion, then then they can't be opening open to listening. That that there's gotta be kind of both there. And that's when the real learning begins. And it was tricky and scary almost every day to let that happen, but beautiful. And the kids loved it and really embraced that process. I don't know that any students changed their mind. Um, about how they felt about any of these issues, but they certainly now have a bigger picture of the complexities of the issues. Were they, were they enjoying this process? Like, was this like something that they were getting into and they were, as they're reading this book, you know, I just kind of picture a lot of my high school classes and like, you know, not having thrilling discussions, but like, were were they, did they getting into this or they, you know? Oh yeah. They, they loved it they were, they were way into it. And that was part of what made it really fun. It's an English teacher's dream to have the kids very engaged, 
very uh, disturbed often. And that was really, really exciting to, to have them engage in those conversations. And, I, and the book not only deals with racial issues, um, but also with things like drug addiction and um, with uh, also some history, some, some black history that honestly, we don't learn a lot in Southern Utah. Uh, we, we know all about Martin Luther King. That is very, uh, I would say popular with white people but we don't know about the Black Panthers or about Malcolm X. It's a more, and, and the question is why? That's another fun question to talk to the kids about because uh, Maverick, Star's dad, he is very pro Black Panthers and Malcolm X. And um, it's a more violent kind of uh, protesting against the dark things that are happening to their family. Uh, and I think it's Martin Luther King is easier for the white community to swallow. Uh, yeah. And we look back at it historically and both of those leaders uh, were really important to the movement, but it is that sort of like we kind of know one of them. And yet when we read about this, this black family, um, we saw that, I mean, it was like a family motto, the, the 10 principles um, of Malcolm, that came from Malcolm X and the Black Panthers, they had these 10 principles and they had them memorized and they were actually really moving principles, yeah. right? That I had never heard. There were these principles from Malcolm X and I was like, whoa, like those are really cool, you know? But like I said, we kind of had this whitewashed version of, of the history that you got an opportunity to delve into a little bit. I also know that you got the opportunity to invite uh, the high school police officer in to come and talk to the class. Um, what was that experience like? So this is, was one of the best days of class and just happened to, it wasn't something I planned. Um, we have the most amazing officer at our school. He's just really personable and relatable and he's good with kids and funny and interesting. And I had had him come and speak in my classroom before. I think it's really important for students to know the officer at your school um, and to have a good relationship with them. And part of his job actually is to, to help teach kids. And so he's really good at whenever I ask him to come in the class, he's always been super flexible with his time and, and come in and, and really just done a great job with the students. So I knew I want, I'm like, oh yes, we have to have our officer come talk in the class and hopefully- And you told him what he was gonna come talk about, right? Like, hey, yeah. we're reading this book, it's about a police shooting and like, it's complex yes. and it's, um, you know, and and he was game. Yeah, he had never read the book, but he's really open. He's like, you can ask me any question. I don't care what it is and I'll answer it. And I'm like, okay, get, get ready. And so um, 
he he had been coming to a couple of my classes and it was going really well. I mean, he's he's a great guy. Like, for example, in one of my classes, he showed a video of him in police training getting tased. And it's just hilarious. And, and the kids love that. Oh, they're like, oh, my gosh, that's so funny. And um, he's building but, some cred with the kids. That's good. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> did we they were, ask him? Did, did they ask him some questions, some tough questions? How did, did they did they get into him a little bit? We really weren't getting into the hard questions. And I was like, shoot, this isn't happening the way I hoped. I mean, I still didn't think it was bad because they I wanted him to get to know the officer. And he's so cool. And I'm like, well, no matter what comes of this, it'll be great. But they weren't getting into the hard questions. For one thing, our officer he said, you know, I work in Southern Utah. I don't work in California. I don't work in the South. I don't work in Vegas. He said, we just don't have a lot of um, altercations with black people. We don't, that's not how it is here. And so he's like, I just can't really speak to this very well. Um, we, it's just not how things work. And so, um, but then one day he asked, another police officer to come with him to teach in the class. And this was my class that were really hard hitters anyway. And so this guy comes in and they actually start asking some hard questions. Um, one student raised her hand and she said, do you think that police officers need more education in order to better handle these situations? And this other officer he um, got a little bit angry and he was like, well, what do you think? Do you think I need more education? What do you think? And she just kind of like sat back in her seat and he really got in her face to the point where I started thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to do something about this. He is really being quite aggressive with this girl. Um, but the other officer, our school officer, jumped right in and he was like, oh, yeah, we 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 do a lot of training. And he talked about how when you go to college, you learn things that are really important to your career. But then when you actually get into the career, it's quite a bit different. And there's on the street kind of training it is the real kind of training that happens. And I had to agree with him on that. I thought, wow. That's, that's really good. And he also talked about all the extra training that they take every year and that they're required to take. And, and so he kind of smoothed that over. And then the kids, uh, they would ask these officers more questions and this back and forth just kind of kept happening. Where Was the, the other cop still a little bit combative? And Yes, definitely. The entire time he was quite it was almost like he felt the need to be defensive. The kids would ask him a question and he would feel like he needed to defend like cops in general. That was at least the impression I got. Whereas our school officer seemed a lot more calm about just answering the questions. And it was a beautiful moment because finally, finally, they kind of got to this taste of what it's like to have an officer maybe not really listen uh, and respond in a bit of an aggressive way because to something and, really innocent to and something like a really great question. Yeah. And they, I feel like they haven't really had that experience before 
And, and our officer was so nice that it wasn't like showing them what was in the book. (laughs) And so when this other officer came, it was great. And I talked to them about it the next day. And I said, what did you think about that officer? And, and, and about the experience as a whole. And they said, well, we don't think the officer respects young people. We don't think that he thinks that we're smart in any way or that we know what we're talking about. And um, I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> and many of, they, they definitely finally, I think got this taste for what it's like to have someone in power be able to, you know, treat you in a way that doesn't feel good. And um, it was awesome. Were, were you able, were, were they able to make that, that jump to like, oh, this cop doesn't respect me as a teenager. And this is also how, you know, the people in the book the, and communities of color feel. And were they and, and were they able to relate that to the book and how the, the the community felt about the police in that book? Did they did they make that connection? Did you help them make that connection, or what did they? How did they feel after that? I hope so. It, that may I don't know for sure. <laughs> that that's hard to say. Um, I hope so. Uh, they, I I think so they're all trying to open their minds to these things, but it's very different. Um, For example, I kind of felt at the end, one of the concepts that was really hard for them in this book is code switching. And that is that Star has to act one way when she's at the white school and then one way when she's in her black community. And I would talk to the kids about this constantly. And for some reason, I felt like they never really quite got it. And I think that's because they don't have to do that in their life. They're never in a situation where they have to really act that differently than who they are. They just are who they are. I mean, they are, I would kind of try to say, well, if you're with these friends versus adults, how do you act? But it's still not the same as a completely different, culture and way of being and and even two communities who sort of maybe have negative stereotypes about each other and you're living in both of those communities at the same time and yeah, star talked a lot about how she couldn't you know when she was at her white school she couldn't react really strongly because she didn't want to be the angry angry black girl and how she um you know when she was uh, when she was like at a, at a dance at her white school, like she could bust whatever move she wanted. And the, the, the classmates would think it was dope because she was black. <laughs> and, and, but if she went back to her black school, she was very self-conscious or her, her black neighborhood. She was very self-conscious about her, about what she was doing. And so she just constantly was, yeah, living in this space where she couldn't quite know, didn't quite know who she was or where she was. And, and yeah, that's a, the kids, I could see how they couldn't relate to that. I mean, I probably have a hard time relating to that in a lot of ways. Yeah, so I think they need more um, reading and, and preferably more experience. But that, again, comes back to it and a little bit why I'm nervous kind of to talk about these issues is that I 
just don't really know that many black people. I was trying to think about how many students we have of color at our school and I can list them on one hand. And those who are black are adopted from when they were babies to white families. So they are not, their culture is white. And it was really cool. In one of my classes, I have a, a student who's black who was adopted and she's like, I cannot wait to read this book. I really wanna know more about black culture. And that's, and so it's kind of like the blind leaving, leading the blind in a lot of ways. Um, but I'm still hopeful that what we studied and learned together opened doors for all of us in understanding um, other people and their experiences. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure that it did. I'm sure, I'm sure that it did, that it was, you can tell by the way, way that you talk about it and the way that the kids um, responded um, and were in, that were, they were into it. That makes all the difference in the world for them in, in a learning experience. As you are progressing in the book and Star is going um, to testify before, just to testify before a grand jury. And, and it's, it's, it's so emotional for her every time. She has to tell this story over and over again of her friend getting shot. And, you know, for me, I, this is a fictional book, but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of always hearkening back to like, these, are, these real life situations are happening all the time. And these are happening to real people all the time. But as that, as that process is going on, how are the kids, like, what side are they on in the book? Are they on the side of the cop? Are they on, like, what, what are they like? They, oh yeah, that cop should, should get off. Or are they, are they uh, starting to, to feel uh, stars sympathy and, and, and relate to her? So this is one of my favorite parts that happens as we're reading. We're learning about grand juries and, I'm learning right along with them. I had read this book many times before. I didn't still really understand what a grand jury was or how they worked. And so we do a bunch of research in class and amazingly and horribly, right at this time, the Breonna Taylor um, incident happens. And she is shot you know, in a similar way, like you said, Kevin, to the book, it's really real where you can kind of go, well, but, you know, she didn't do this or her boyfriend didn't do this. And if they would have acted better, the cops would have acted differently. Like you could sort of rationalize both sides, even though really like it, she obviously was innocent and, and shot, murdered, cold-blooded. But um, so we talk about the Brianna Taylor case and that it's going to a grand jury and what's going to happen and what that means to go to a grand jury. And, and we talk about how pretty much every time a case involving police violence goes to grand jury that they are not indicted and that they do, it doesn't go to trial. And they know this really clearly. We've studied this, we've talked about her case. And I ask them to write about Brianna Taylor. And then I say, I want you to predict is officer 115 after, after Star testifies at the grand jury, is he going to be tried? Well, at this point, the book, there's not much left. There's like two chapters left in the book. And um, Angie Thomas, our author has stayed true to, to reality in the whole book. She's never like veered off from what usually happens. And we know that 
we've learned about the grand jury trials. They don't, officers get off. That's just the statistics about it. And 90% of the students say it's going to go to trial. Like hardly any of them say that he's going to get off. And I think it's not that they don't logically understand that he's going to. It's just they don't want him to. They want it to go to trial. They want justice for Khalil. And so they cannot let their minds believe for one second that this isn't going to go to trial. Even though logic just goes against, logic goes against everything. There's not enough time left in the book for a trial. It won't follow what happens in real life and our author doesn't do that. They still just demand that this is going to go to trial. And it surprised me. And I loved it at the same time because they had bought into the story. They understood the pain of this and wanted not only that officer, but officers everywhere to, to have accountability for their actions. And, um, and then they had to face the disappointment of that not happening. And that was beautiful too sad, but real, and such a great experience for them that I didn't foresee happening. Well, earlier when we were talking and and we were, you know, you were kind of saying that right off the bat, there was this divide about uh, in, in the class about who they were supporting. And you were like, well, I, you know, I don't know if anyone changed their views, but it's pretty clear that at least in the book, they did. That's true. That you said 90% of the students, 90% of the students wanted justice for Khalil. Yeah. And even if it is in that moment, and for a lot of those kids, it doesn't translate maybe into, into the real life as they get back and they get pressure from other family members and other influence. At least in that moment, in this moment, they were able to look and relate, even if it's to this fictional character, but in a very real story, they were able to look and relate. and that is the beauty of books and of good teaching. <laughs> Thank you. I, yes, and it's the joy of being a teacher. It was miraculous and beautiful every day to take the journey with the students and to learn with them and grow with them. And um, I'm just so grateful for the opportunity and for such a great author like Angie Thomas for, for really diving into a difficult topic and teaching young people, uh, opening their, expanding their views, giving them opportunities to learn through, through reading. It was, it was an amazing experience and I'm so glad I got to teach the book. Well, you, you talk about it like it was uh, so easy to do, uh, but I absolutely think it was courageous um, given the circumstances, given the time that it was happening, uh, I thought it was really, really courageous for, for you to do that. And I was just so impressed watching, being able to watch it unfold. And we were, we would get our weekly updates from Julie <laughs> about what was happening in that situation. Would, do you have any like, um, final thoughts that you'd like to give to, to teachers or to, um, Anybody thinking about about these this this kind of thing and and what they would, they would like to learn from your experience? I think that um, it is hard 
every teacher is going to be different. You, you, you really do need the support of your principal. I understand that. And so maybe you won't be able to teach a book like this to your class. But at the same time, with my younger boys at home, I read a book called um, American Boys. And it's along a similar theme, only reduced violence and swearing for, for a younger crowd. And um, as I read that book with my younger boys, I had the same experience that they would be shocked every day at what was happening. And they would ask a lot of questions and they even would bring it up later, like with news things happening. And one of the things that we learned from that book, the main character learns that he can't sit on the fence, that he can't sort of be like for the black people and sort of be for the white people, but that he has to commit. And my son brought that up several times with news and things that were happening. He'd say, mom, we can't sit on the fence. We have to, we have to commit. <laughs> and um, you, it's a beautiful experience with any, and not only for kids, but for ourselves to, to read and to open our minds and to learn about different cultures. And I think all of us can do that. And um, I do feel for teachers who there are situations where you're not, you're not going to be able to, your principal's not going to support you. The parents are going to put up too much of a fuss and you're not going to be able to, but I think we can still, even in smaller, in smaller ways, find ways to open students' minds to something that's different than what they think or what their life is like. And, and that that really is the mission of a teacher, of a parent and even for ourselves to open our minds to different ideas and make the world a better place for all of us through that learning. Are you going to teach the book again next year? Yeah, definitely. I can't wait. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> awesome. Well, Julia, it was a pleasure to have you on. I, I loved, you know, getting to ask even more questions about your experience. I learned a lot and I just really appreciate you sharing your mission as a teacher. And I know that if there are more teachers that share that sort of mission and passion, um, that the world will continue to grow and be a better place. And so I thank you for sharing with us and for sharing with those students. Thank you so much. And I'm always bragging to everyone I know about Kevin, about the amazing work he's doing with his Oh, podcast. here we go. <laughs> and here's the thing, um, Kevin's podcast, was teaching me important things that I used in class with the hate you give while I taught the book. I would be like, yes, oh good. I just learned something so cool that I can I can use along with the class. And it it's an inspiration to me, the podcast and the people who have come on and, and shared their stories. It's it's scary and they've been brave. And I appreciate you finding them and them being courageous to share their stories and all that I've learned from them um, because I just don't have a lot of different diversity in my life. And, but I can learn about it from the pod. Yeah. I mean, we had, we had Ruby on the pod and that was a hard episode. I mean, this is exact situation um, where her brother was shot and killed by police. 
so yeah i mean we've we've gone into some of those conversations and so that that makes me uh feel more inspired to keep going with some of this work that uh, you were able to take bits and pieces of it and, and deliver it to your kids so again thanks so much and loved having you on okay thank you bye-bye yeah and that's it for the podcast today thanks for joining in with my sister and i as we got to have that fun conversation special thanks as always to decker yazi for our for our artwork i almost got it and to august the great for our theme music dan martinez as always producing the podcast does a fantastic job go check out deep state media thanks everybody Community Spread is a Deep State Media production. It's produced by me, Kevin Lundell, and directed and edited by Dan Martinez. 